Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very senior and accomplished professional from the UK, Mr. Morris Bright, MBE. And for those of you who don't know MBE, it's member of the Order of the British Empire. Morris, welcome to the show. Welcome to me. Thank you very much indeed. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Uh, Morris is the chairman of the board of directors of Elstree Studios. He's a journalist by profession. He's a member of the British Academy of Film and Television Arts, and he's an author and a co-author of 10 books. So Morris, you seem to have had an amazing journey uh, in, in multiple fields. Let me start by asking you to tell me about your journey. Well, like many journeys in life, you don't always know at the beginning uh, where you're going to end up or mm. necessarily what road you're going to take. Mm. Uh, I'd always had an interest in journalism. I came from a family that was very interested in the news, mm. but also I quite enjoyed performing as well. So I managed to go after school. Instead of going to university, I went to drama school. But mm. it was a drama school that taught you also about um, the the nuts and bolts of working behind the scenes. So mm -hmm. that could be on a stage, but it could also be in a theatre uh, mm -hmm. and a, a newsroom and that kind of stuff, television and media as well. Mm -hmm. uh, from that, I went into journalism, uh, written journalism, uh, and really got the bite for wanting to get out there and make sure we get our stories told. Mm -hmm. um, but journalism, as anyone will tell you, especially today when it's 24-hour news, can burn you out as an individual. Mm -hmm. And you can spend far too much time on the job, not enough time at home. And after, after one failed marriage, I thought, actually, what am I doing wrong here? Uh, and that is because I was making other people happy and not making myself happy. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, what can I do? Take my skills and my passions and transfer them in another way. Uh, and I managed to get into uh, making some documentaries on television, mm -hmm. film, history. I love British film and that's why I love running a film studios um, and writing books about famous studios Pinewood Shepperton you will have heard of these all mm. over the world I'm sure mm. uh, and that's how I ended up really in the world I mean now it was the film and television side um, and also local government because politics has always been my other passion and I'm able to merge the two into the two things and keep everyone happy and my children happy as well so I think I'm getting there. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, I also wanted to ask you about what led to your being conferred with the prestigious MBE, and if you have it with, if you have the award with you, please show it to our viewers and listeners. Well, an MBE, um, we have a, an honor system in the United Kingdom, um, which uh, for people who have gone above and beyond their work or have performed something very special, and depending on what is being deemed as the level of speciality. Uh, and the uh, difference that people have made, they got offered an award. I never thought my someone like myself mm -hmm. would get one. Mm -hmm. um, I've been involved in local government now for 24 years, and I've been leader of my local council mm -hmm. for 15 and a half years. Yep. Uh, and a few years ago, I was got a letter through the post. It came in a brown envelope. I thought it was from the tax office, mm -hmm. and I opened it up, and it said that the on the on the recommendation, the prime minister, the queen would like to confer you. With an MBE, which is the member of the Order of the British Empire. Um, I can't pretend I did share, shed a tear. It was quite emotional for me. And a few months right. later, I went to Buckingham Palace and the now King, he was Prince Charles, of uh, uh, Prince of Wales then, and um, conferred it upon me. And I do happen to have it here. Wonderful. And it's a sticker. I'll try and show it to you so it doesn't go out of focus. I can see it now. Yes. 
think you can just there you yep, go. I can see it very clearly. Wow. You can only wear you can only wear it on very special occasions. Yeah. Um and it goes quite nicely with my initials, MB. So now it's MBE. Um, but as I've said, it was the first time anyone in my family had ever received one, and it was a complete surprise to me. Uh, and it's it's a deep honour. I'm humbled and privileged that people mm -hmm. thought I was good enough to have been to be nominated and also to have received one. So I'm deeply touched still after five years. No, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, to be to get to be recognised uh, at the highest level uh, in a, in any country is big, and an MBE is a very very prestigious uh, award. Congratulations. So, Morris, you also spoke about your being involved in politics. And when I was reading about you, you have been the longest serving leader of the Hartsmere Borough Council. What are some of the challenges that you have addressed? I think I'm the longest serving leader because no one else wants to do it. <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> okay. the, I come from a, uh, a family of doers. I come mm -hmm. from a local politics is in my family's blood. So my grandfather... Mm -hmm. was actually um, the mayor of Hackney Borough Council. Mm -hmm. uh, um, he was a Labour councillor, and that was in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. uh, my father was also on Hackney Council in London, uh, and he was a Liberal, and I was a child of the 1970s, and it so happens I'm a Conservative, mm -hmm. uh, and I've been here at Hartsmere, which is uh, in Hertfordshire, um, since uh, 1999, since the last century, and I became leader in 2007. There are many challenges um, for local people and um, for local governments. Um, there, there were several fold. Firstly, um, as we hit the first kind of big recession in 2008, 2009, mm -hmm. central government made it quite clear that they were happy for local government to do more, but they were going to get less money from central government. Mm -hmm. And slowly but surely, all that money's gone. So we've had to discover ways of local councils becoming entrepreneurial now mm -hmm. historically they just provide the services they empty your bins and yeah. they make sure things are clean etc but suddenly they're saying if you want to survive you've got to find ways of generating money that was the first mm -hmm. challenge mm -hmm. um, and we overcome that challenge in Hartsmere because we own a film and television studios we own Elstree Studios the home to well currently the crown is made at Elstree Studios and lots of big films over the years um, mm. have been made here too. So we own that. And what that means is that every penny of profit from the studios goes directly to the council to pay for local services. So that helps. That's one of the challenges we've had. And that's one that we've overcome. In recent times, of course, we had COVID pandemic. Yeah. And what I couldn't tell people at the time is that I, as leader, was going down and meeting the managing director every day. And while people were in their homes, we were tasked by government mm. to work out where we might have to put bodies if there were too many bodies to bury, food, if we had to store food in local silos, etc. Uh, and that was a challenge, both on an emotional and a strategic basis. Strategically, we worked out what to do, but emotionally, you mm. can't tell anyone you're doing that because you can't scaremonger them. Mm. Um, and all I could do at home was get home at night in the evenings and put my arms around my children to give me mm. some emotional comfort. Mm. So that was a big challenge, too. And now post-COVID, post-pandemic, saying, well, how can we not just rebuild, but find other ways of running our towns? Mm -hmm. Because people's shopping moods have changed. People's living ways have changed. Mm -hmm. People going into the offices changed. So even though we're a small local authority, uh, about 100,000 people within Hertfordshire, which is 1.2 million, mm -hmm. um, you do have to do some targeted work to make sure, A, you're adapting with the changes and be working out mm. that where we found that there were some inadequacies and inequities. So, for example, the poorer people, we now know that they suffer more in these situations than others. 
What can we do to help people who are worse off than ourselves? So yeah. there's a lot of challenges. Uh, and I think we're a very caring authority and we're getting there. Mm, fantastic. But my next question to you is that how do you manage handling an elected office, running a studio, being a journalist and doing so much social work? Well, you see, I come from a studios and film and television industry background. It's all done with special effects. No, it's <laughs> it's all, you know, it's, yes. it's all about, I'll tell you what, it's all about managing a diary. And one thing that COVID and the pandemic did do, it forced people forward 10, 20 years so that the sorts of meetings and interviews we're having now are now being done on computers and on iPads and so on and using the technology. So historically, if I had to go to a meeting in Hertfordshire, I'd have to drive for an hour, have an hour's meeting, then drive back again. That's three hours before I went to another meeting. Mm. Now I can just do meeting, meeting, meeting. Some you have to do in person, mm. but you can actually achieve a lot more if you use the technology. Uh, my offices are very close to where I live. Um, I've never been a nine to five worker. As I said, I was a journalist. I used to sit in an edit suite all night. I can't do nine to five. Mm. I'm happy to work into the night. Uh, I'm not very good first thing in the mornings, but I'm mm. very good at night. And it's just about juggling your diary. And also as you get up, as you get up the chain of authorities, as you become a leader, and I'm also deputy leader of Hertfordshire County Council, which is over a million people, mm. you're in more control of your diary. So instead of people saying, you've got to be here at a certain time, they say, when can you make it, Councillor Bright? Mm. To actually believe it or not, the more I have to do, the more time I'm able to find to do it. And they always say, don't they, if you want something done, ask a busy person. Mm, absolutely. Well said. Well said. Great response. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Elstree Studios. Uh, give me a little bit about the background. Uh, and I believe you had to do some major work to be able to save the studios in 2012. Well, I mean, the history of the studios itself is as dramatic as anything that's ever been shot on its stages. Mm -hmm. I mean, Elsie Studios, going back, was the first um, uh, British studios to have a talking picture. Alfred Hitchcock made uh, wow. Blackmail in 1929. Um, and, and it was also the location for the first three Star Wars films in the late 1970s mm -hmm. and the first Indiana Jones films, films like Moby Dick, The Dam Busters, some really big films. And as I've said recently, we're making the crown and lots of big television drama too. Mm. But over the years, the way that films and television have been produced, particularly film in this country has changed. Mm. So it used to be that whoever owned the studio also owned the production company and also owned the cinemas that you put them in. But that all changed in the 1970s. And basically people rent out space. It's like a hotel. They rent out space, they bring their production in, they film, they take their people in and the next one goes in. Difficulty is, of course, that recessions come and we'd had issues um, with the first evacuate war, sort of late 80s, early 90s. So the Americans stopped flying in, people didn't want to travel, they were concerned. And so we lost a lot of film industry business all over the country, not just mm -hmm. at, at Elstree. Uh, and then the owners of the uh, of Elstree tried to asset strip it and sell it off in the 90s. And the council then, just before, I was a journalist then, so I was on the Save the Studios campaign mm -hmm. as a journalist. And the council then took the, um, the company to court, was trying to asset strip it. And in the end, the company went bankrupt and we took over the studios. Mm. Now, suddenly you've got an empty, slightly decrepit uh, studios, invested money, worked out that if we put money in, we could get money out. Because it's not just a case of renting stages, but it brings wealth to the area. Shops open up, people come into the area to work and buy things. People come for audiences, for shows, mm. and they spend money in town as well. Mm -hmm. And slowly but surely, during the 2000s, 
um, we started to pick ourselves up. So Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was originally started at uh, Elstree. And in fact, all the countries that wanted to try it out before they put it on their television screens mm-hmm. came and filmed their pilot shows at Elstree. Wow. Um, from all over the from all over the world in all people's different mm. uh, um, uh, costumes and garb, and it was amazing to watch it. And we've moved on from there. Yes, in 2012-13, we had to we got some grants to remove a big portion of land at the back, which had asbestos in it, because we're landlocked. We're only a small studio. It's very David and Goliath, and we're landlocked. So we couldn't just build outwards because there's homes around it. And we managed to clear another couple of acres. Mm-hmm. Um, we just literally last year, for the first time in 25 years, with the help of the British government, uh, put up two brand new stages called the Platinum Stages, mm-hmm. named after the late Her Majesty the Queen. They were She was alive when we opened them as part of the Platinum Year, and two new stages. And what that does is it, all the profits that it makes go directly back to the council. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't go to shareholders in mm-hmm. banks and so on. The shareholders other people of Hartsmere, wow. and it pays for about 25% of the local taxation. Mm-hmm. So the local taxpayers are paying less from their local taxes mm-hmm. by 25% because of the studios. And that's what goes back to the being entrepreneurial 10, 20, 15 years ago. It's the council thinking, what can we do to keep Hartsmere going? And it's also a place of civic pride mm-hmm. because when you hear Oscar winning films like The King's Speech and The Danish Girl are made there, um, then people think, wow, that's that's Elstree, and Elstree's a big brand. Mm-hmm. So um, you mix all those together, um, and you get a success story. But as you know, success stories don't happen overnight. Really You've got to bring a lot of people on board. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about government and local government officers and the television and film industry, you couldn't be more diametrically opposed. One is very risk-averse, mm-hmm. and one is just, well, it's film and television. It'll be what it'll be. And it's me acting in the middle, if you like, as a conduit to be able to understand and to explain to people um, that you may not always get certainty around the booking, for example. It may take a while, but when it comes in, it reaps benefits. So it's, I've been chairman of the board for 16 years and um, we are now having the most successful studios that we've had. And, you know, we're almost 100 years old now uh, as a studio, it's one of the oldest in the country. And again, it's a great honour and a great pride to be able to make sure that not only are we keeping this great part of our heritage going, mm. but that we're moving forward because heritage and history doesn't pay the bills. We've got to be grown up about it. We've got to be quite literally set for the future. How interesting. But tell me, uh, is it unusual for a borough to own a studio which is generating profits and the profits are going to actually serve the population but by re- but through reducing the borough's expenses? Yeah, it's a very, very good question. And actually, at one time, I think we were the only mm. uh, council in the country and people were a little bit anxious saying, oh, we're not sure if that will work. And of course, it has worked. I mean, the government has been very keen to uh, uh, ensure and, and ask councils if they want to be more entrepreneurial. But what they don't want, mm. they don't want local government to be investing lots of money in businesses that go very badly wrong. Mm. So you've got to be very sensible. But But this one was... A no-brainer in that it had a, a a huge brand name going back 70 80 years um it was already a business which uh is short of the uh, short of capacity there's so much film and television work going on in this country stages are always needed and from an economic point of view it's not like investing in a shopping center or a car park and relying on car park charges mm. we uh, get so much as a consequence as i've said we get new shops i mean our 
our high street in the 80s and 90s was a ghost town because mm. we had big shops opening up and, and multi-centers on either side. Mm. Now you can't get a shop for love nor money. Not every high street has that. And that's because we have the footfall that come through to okay. work at the studios, to visit the studios, to, vi to come to be an audience at the studios. So the business model works for us. Mm. Um, and But we keep an eye on it. We have a board of directors that are made up of a few local councillors, what you don't want is locally elected officials running businesses, oh, right. but we provide a strategic oversight and we have other directors who come from the industry and it's a success story and we're very proud of it. Absolutely. But what goes into running a studio that is so prominent, so eminent? I mean, I'm sure there are lots of challenges. Well, there are, the biggest challenges are the fact that the uh, infrastructure, as I've said, the studios is nearly 100 years old. And it's not homogenized in the sense of we've got new stages, um, but we've also got some old stages. And we need to try and ensure that we're updating the facilities without closing too much at any one time because we rely on the income to come in to pay towards the council. So it's basically putting out a strategy for development over five or 10 years. And also being a small studios, you don't want to be doing too much noisy banging and drilling when there's someone next door trying to film. So uh, it, it takes effort. Um, to make sure that, that we do that. But I think um, the actual, the, the, the biggest challenges are trying to understand that there's only about 15 people that run it. Wow. Be because even though it's a 16 acre site and it brings in whatever it is, five, six million pounds a year, mm -hmm. as I've said, it's a hotel. Mm -hmm. you, you, everyone brings who they need in and it takes them out. So for us, the biggest challenges are making sure we can do the work in between, mm -hmm. making sure we provide the catering facilities so that they've got the right appropriate food and refreshment mm -hmm. and keeping everything running. So people need more brand a broadband width. Why? Because historically, you used to film everything on film and it went down to be developed in London, down in, a, a, in Soho, where they have the post-production facilities. Mm -hmm. Now it's all filmed on like hard drives. And they need to send it down. So you've got to make sure you've got the right, the right technology. That's the biggest challenge. Um, but again, with strategic planning, getting the right people in place, um, those decisions are taken before an emergency happens. The last thing you want is something um, to go down. And the final thing was that um, a shortage of electricity, believe it or not, so much drain on power. Mm -hmm. There's so much development going on in our area. Mm -hmm. We've had to put extra substations in as well. We're not the only people that have had to do this. But again, it's making sure you've got the right people in the right place at the right time. Just incredible. What a story, uh, Morris. I mean, I'm sure you'll be writing a book on this uh, if you haven't written already and just come to your books. But 15 people delivering a, a big chunk of the expenses of the whole council. I mean, probably one of the most productive uh, set of people you would have in too many parts of the world, you know, so that's fantastic. You, before I move to your books, one more question, and that is that uh, you told me that the crown was made there. Uh, yes. Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was made there. What are some of the other more prominent series or, or films? So when I say the crown's made there, so it, it's based there, it has uh, the interior sets of Buckingham Palace. It has the exterior sets for Downing Street. Mm -hmm. At the moment, they're the south of France, various other pieces, mm -hmm. the, royal, the royal train, the royal mm -hmm. plane, uh, and they have a the huge costume department uh, mm -hmm. as well. Um, so it's based there, but it does go and film, obviously, around um, other parts of the world uh, mm -hmm. uh, and the country, in fact. Um, so as I've said, historically, we had Hitchcock's uh, blackmail. We had... Um, Lots of, as I say, famous films of the 1950s that people know, mm -hmm. Moby Dick with Gregory Peck yep. and the Dan Buster's great British war film. 
that they were literally churning out hundreds of these films. Mm. Uh, as I said, at the end of the 70s, when no one was interested at all in something called Star Wars, they thought, what success is this going to be? No one was interested. Yeah. And it came to L, L Street, three, the first three Star Wars, first three Indiana Jones. The, wow. my, my funniest story is when about, when it, when about 2009, mm. uh, I was taken onto a set by the managing director and I said, what's this? It looked like a little uh, lounge, uh, you know, 1930s, some carpet, a bit threadbare. He said, oh, this is the lounge uh, of a speech therapist called Lionel Logue. Mm. And it's for a small budget film, nine million pounds, called uh, The King's Speech. And it's about mm. uh, it's about a monarch that had a speech impediment. And I turned around and said, who the hell is going to want to go and see a film about mm. a monarch with a speech impediment? Mm. And of course, this nine million pounds went on to bring in 500 million. I know. It won seven British Academy Awards and four Oscars. Yeah. So my name may my name may be bright, but I'm not always right. And <laughs> it goes to show you can never tell. Um, we have we do a lot of television as well for the home entertainment here in Great Britain. Mm -hmm. uh, lots of a uh, couple of chat shows, quiz shows, because we have good television size stages. Mm. Um, and when there's space, um, we also have the big. We have something called Strictly Come Dancing, which I think's been uh you also use that 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 way has been uh, that mm. program has been sold to other countries to do that is the biggest show on british um, entertainment on the bbc that uses one of our big stages as well because it likes to be on a film set it's at a film stage because film stages are bigger they've got more lights nowadays with hd and ultra hd uh, and huge television screens not like when you and i were young yeah. and it was like that now they're huge and mm. um, they love the the the, the vastness of it so we get some very high-end light entertainment. And if you look at something like The Crown, high-end drama yeah. is spending as much as medium-budget film now. Mm. So um, we've just literally built, as I said, two new stages. Mm. And Sky have taken them for five years for their, yeah. for their film and their drama. So um, there's still a big appetite in this country for film and television. Mm. Not, only in, in, not only in the UK, but, uh, you know, UK productions are popular all over the world. I know a lot of us in, the, in India watch a lot of UK uh, productions. But uh, Morris, now moving on to your books, you are an author or a co-author of 10 books. Yes. What are the genres you normally write on and what is your latest book? So the genres has tended to be factual, uh, and, but factual entertainment. So the histories, which won't surprise you, mm -hmm. a film studio. So I've done the histories of Pinewood. I mean, Bonds, I mean, you know, plus everything else. Mm. Uh, the histories of Shepperton Studios, which is where Ridley Scott and Tony Scott, they owned them for a while, you know, mm. Gladiator and big directors and producers like that. Yeah. Uh, Elstree Studios, as well as some of the country, this country's funniest mm. film shows like the Carry On films, Faulty Towers for the BBC. Mm. And I did a great book uh, on the world's longest running television comedy series, which mm -hmm. was called Last of the Summer Wine, mm -hmm. which actually ran for 37 years, wow. 295 episodes, all written by the same person. It's not mm -hmm. like in America where they're all written by banks of people. It's all mm -hmm. written by the same person. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wrote, and I appeared in several episodes as an extra, you know. Amazing. Um, I like, I tell you what it is, I don't like to demystify the things that make us happy. Mm. I like to tell more stories and find lots of behind the scenes pictures. For me, my words are okay, but there's nothing that beats a behind the scenes story of one of your heroes having some fun. So mm. if I've got a shot of Roger Moore having a laugh with Patrick McNee when they're filming The Saint and the Avengers, or when uh, Sean Connery goes to Elstree to visit Diane Silento, who is his wife, 
he's he's of course just making Bond, but he's huge. He's coming to visit his wife, who's making another film. Because mm. I think they're great. So I don't tend to demystify by saying, do you know what was going on behind the scenes? Mm. And there were secrets and scandals and that yeah. kind of thing. Because yeah. most people watch television yeah. and film to escape that kind of mm. thing, not to find out more about it. So for me, they've always been tributes. And they're thank yous to the people who brought me a lot of joy as a mm. child, mm. watching television, um, before DVDs, before VHS, when if you missed it, that was it. You never got, and you never had a hundred channels. Mm. We had three channels. Mm. Uh, and so for me, it takes me back to that feeling on a Saturday when it's cold, in the afternoon in the winter, you wrap up, you have a cup of hot chocolate and watch a comedy film. So a lot of it was about that. It's my way of saying thank you to the people who brought me so much joy. How amazing. How amazing. Thank you. My last question to you, Morrison, this is for the thousands of people who will listen to our conversation. Based on your own amazing life and, you know, such a diverse kind of in, set of interests that you've had, what would you say are three lessons that you would want our viewers and listeners to take away from your own life's learnings? When you're very young, you have dreams. Mm -hmm. And they sometimes say, if your dreams aren't big enough and if they don't scare you, mm -hmm. then they're not worth having. But... When you're young, you have dreams, but mm. you can't always, through life and not always through your own choice, mm. um, manage to get those dreams to become a reality. You have to learn to adapt, you have to learn to compromise, mm. and you have to learn to accept that mm. the whole of life experience is important, that we are the we are the we are the sum of the parts that have come before us. Yeah. And we can't always be in control of our life. So mm. where we have to compromise, fine, but always look to say there's always something I want to do mm. uh, and try your utmost because I believe if you're positive enough about it mm. and you're kind enough to other people and that's another thing always be kind to other people along the way mm. because there are people I met when I was like uh, 17, 18, 19 who mm. to this day uh, we remain good friends because they helped me and I've helped them um, I think it's about never lose your humanity mm. don't let life grind you down life can be very grinding and it yeah. can be very difficult and people's lives can be tough Mm. but don't let don't lose your humanity don't people say you become thick-skinned don't become thick-skinned you then become you then look the way that you feel don't become bitter about life and i think the most important thing is to make sure that you've got love in your life mm. whether it be with a partner or a spouse but particularly with your children yeah. and and if you've made mistakes don't put those mistakes onto your children try and work out without forcing them what to tell them what to do try and help guide them don't try and live your life through them and I think if you can do all those things together, you've got a jolly good chance of saying at the end of it, I did the very best I could. Absolutely. And I'm quite happy enough with that. Well said, well said. And on that note, Morrison, your amazing lessons, dream big, but adapt, compromise and accept yes. wherever is necessary. Be kind to people, never lose your own humanity and always have love in your life. Thank you so much for talking to me about your incredible uh, journey uh, from being a journalist to uh, being a politician to chairing the board of Elstree Studios. Thank you for taking me almost down memory lane uh, as far as Elstree Studios are concerned and talking about some amazing productions that I have watched and I've been very fond of. So many of them I've watched. Uh, and thank you also for talking to me about your own books. Thank you again and good luck to you. Well, thank you very much. And as we say from Star Wars and Elstree Studios, May the force be with you. Absolutely. Thank you, Ash. It's been lovely. And Thank you very much. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast. A 
platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called Youth.